Watto, mater. Watto, son. Thanks for coming along on this episode of Hopscotch. How could I resist it? Will you forgive a little Norfolk dialect now? It is so nice to be back in my native Norfolk, especially in your company, my son, and on the road to Cromer. But now I'd better speak the King's English. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to keep it simple for us on this trip, I, on what I thought might be just a, a lovely drive to the coast. Yes, it is a wonderful coast with those beautiful high cliffs at Hunston. A uh, quick side note for people not familiar. Um, place names are not always pronounced as their spelling would suggest. Hunstanton is by the locals. Hunston. <laughs> it was only a short journey to get there. And then the rock pools and the vast sandy beach, the sun setting over the sea, which seems impossible. Except that. When you look at the map and notice that because of the shape of the wash, Hunston actually faces west. I remember a trip that we took there when Patrick and I were very little. <laughs> oh, yes. You were very nicely behaved children. I could take you anywhere. I was never very keen on penny arcades after that trip. Yes, Mater dear. Well, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> well, I'm blushing at the memory. <laughs> now I'm laughing at the memory. <laughs> Care to expound on what occurred? Well, it was a slightly cold day and I thought we could step inside an arcade. We played a two-penny machine that had those sliders, but they failed to push the coins off as the reward for your tuppence. I kicked the machine in annoyance and the lights and the alarms lit up. I took hold of you both by your hands and we left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us have dared showed our face in one since. But we shall give the cliffs of Hunstanton a wide berth on this occasion and see the ones at Cromer. But if we took the A149, we could also go through Blakeney and Climax the Sea with their wonderful salt marshes. Well, why aren't we taking the coast road? It's a beautiful drive. It is a beautiful drive, but our points of interest lie close beside the A148, and so it is perfect. <laughs> I don't know that everyone shares your high opinion of the A148. They don't have to. Besides, I thought it would make a nice trip. Oh, yes, I'm sure it will. So where are we going today? Well, the day gets real near Fakenham at Dunton. Then we go on to Halt, and then the beach, Cromer. By way of the A148? Right. Well, you've clearly got it all thoroughly planned. Well done. Let us proceed with all haste. The ruby doesn't do haste. Well, Rob, my dear, fade us out and we can pick it up again in Dunton. I do love this very Norfolk construction. The mix of red brick and flint pressed into cement. The older parts of Norfolk certainly show up this way. We're just passing St Peter's Church on the right. That is a fine building. 
Mm, the main construction dates back to the late 13th century. The tower was added later in the 15th century. You can't see it from the road, but the tower buttresses are very impressive, coming out from the corners. Possibly worth a longer visit off air. On the way back out then. Perfect. Um, especially as the Archangel Distillery is just here. Uh, let's park and find Peter. I think that may be him. Hello, Peter. Robert, Liz, delighted to meet you both. Welcome to the Archangel Distillery. Hello, Peter. Thank you for sparing us the time. I am delighted that you were able to. Not a problem at all. We're always delighted when we pop up on other people's radars. As part of each episode of Hopscotch, we like to learn a little about the people who make what we like to drink. Your story is a little different from the others. A little bit. Uh, we're very much part of the craft distilling movement in the UK, but there's a different angle to us too. Uh, we're both practicing Catholics. In fact, I'm a professed religious brother. So there's an element of us continuing the long monastic tradition of making beers and spirits. Much like Chimay and Chartreuse. Exactly. Or the many beers from Belgium and Holland, which were originally created by Benedictines. Jude and I don't have a monastery here as such, but we do offer our work in the spirit of St. Benedict's Ora et Labora, work and prayer. Your work and prayers here being deeply intertwined. Yes, lords and vespers and the rosary are frequently said in the distillery, and we have many visitors from church groups all over the UK too. The distillery was formally blessed before we opened. It's appropriate that you are here. Dunton is on the old pilgrimage route to Walsingham. Very much so, and in that spirit, in our spirit, we get some of our water from Walsingham. Forgive my ignorance here, but why was Walsingham that important a pilgrimage site? Walsingham legend has it that Sheldis de Favesius, the wife of the Lord of the Manor, wanted to do something special to honour the Virgin Mary. In 1061, she had a series of three visions in which the Virgin Mary appeared to her. In these visions, she was shown the house of the Annunciation in Nazareth and told to construct a replica in Walsingham. As with the way of these things, first the apparition and then the construction. This would then be a place of pilgrimage where Mary is said to have promised, whoever seeks my help there will not go away empty handed. As a result, from 1061 until 1538, tens of thousands of pilgrims walked there. The story is found in the Pinson Ballad, but you do know your local history. King's Lynn born and raised. You can take the girl out of Norfolk. But you'll never take Norfolk out of the girl. Aside from being on the road to Walsingham, why this location? Well, this is one of our two family farms. They've been in the family for over 60 years now. We were looking for an opportunity to diversify. 20 years ago, we planted a lot of juniper for feeding pheasants. And instead of feeding the pheasants... Gin is an excellent way to use juniper berries. But while the farm has been in the family for 60 years, gin is quite recent. Yes, we started the process in 2016. And by we, that's yourself and your business partner, Jude. How did the two of you formulate the idea to do this? 
I needed to return to Norfolk after 30 years in London to manage the farms. And Jude D'Souza, my business partner, was keen to leave London too. We both loved gin, and Jude had done his research on how to make it. We travelled to Holland to learn the process from a master distiller. And a few months later, on February the 1st, 2017, in fact, the first drops of delicious Archangel emerged from the still. I see you have two bottles presented here. Yes, the rhubarb that you had expressed such an interest in, and our original Archangel gin. We're about to unleash a Navy Strength version too, a rather punchy 58%, codenamed Seraph. We launch in a few weeks' time. The presentation on the label is outstanding. Thank you. We drew inspiration from the Watts Cemetery Chapel at Compton in Surrey and the amazing work of the artist Mary Watts. It is delightfully done, and some more Latin on the label, Angeli ab Oriente. Yes, that's Angels from the East. Did you want to start with a taste of the original Archangel gin? Let's do that. Partly because I'm very proud of it, but also it will help showcase how infusing rhubarb has worked so well with it. Ah, I'm a great fan of gin and I'm a great fan of rhubarb. I can't wait to taste it. What then should we know when tasting this gin? Well, it isn't styled like a London dry gin. There are some technical differences in how we use the still to make that so. We like to think of our gin as a Dutch-style gin, big on flavours and featuring orange zest, not lemon or grapefruit. Norfolk was heavily influenced by the Dutch between the 17th and 19th centuries. You see it all along the coast in the architecture. How did that come about? Trade. In the 16th century, it was easier to get Holland as a day's sailing than to London. That was several days' journey overland. Why not sail to London then? I don't know the answer to that, but probably relative demand. A demand developed for other Norfolk goods, especially wool, fleeing persecution from the Inquisition in what was then the Spanish Netherlands. Flemish weavers arrived in 1560. Part of their cultural influence lives on as the nickname of Norwich City Football Club, the Canaries. I had no idea about any of that. That's why you need to do your research for these things, yes, dear. Mom. <laughs> The first thing you'll notice is what we call the nose. The aromas are just epic. Orange and juniper jump out at you on inhalation. We wanted to create a long flavour profile, a good 15 seconds of different tastes, but with no gaps. We wanted flavours that develop, not hit you like a train. We have the citrus flavours first, including Norfolk sea buckthorn, then the mid flavours like angelica, and finally the roots and spices, including cinnamon. This is a 45% alcohol by volume compared to most gins being around 37.5. You do get that hit, but it's full of scent. I get a lot of orange. Hmm, but it isn't there on its own. I can pick up the spices in a lovely warm combination, tantalisingly. Why is it so much stronger than most gins? Funnily enough, it's all flavour driven. When you develop the flavour profile you want, you then have to keep adding alcohol until you find the botanical oils all stay fully dissolved when mixed with ice. Ah, this would be wonderful in a G&T. I didn't know that. I would never mix this thing with anything. Spot on, Liz. From the freezer and undiluted, it's like a top-quality schnapps. Our distillation method removes any light alcohols and bitter citrus, so there's no harshness to it at all. 
I am biased, of course, but I think it's delicious with tonic. I prefer it with Fever Tree's full-fat premium Indian tonic water. I'd use about a quarter Archangel gin to three-quarters tonic, a slice of orange, never lemon, and serve over ice. I will certainly try that later. To complement that, let's look at the rhubarb gin. In this one, we take our Archangel and let the rhubarb infuse into what we call working vodka, which we also make. Once the juices are all out, we blend in the gin to create the right flavour balance. We never know how much juice we're going to get from the rhubarb, so we make it to taste rather than to formula. Is the rhubarb your own too? Actually, no. We get that from our good friend Chris Griffin at Norfolk Farm Produce. He's at Beeston near Swatham. That isn't far away. It's a delicate pink colour with a slight haze. That comes from steeping the rhubarb in Archangel Gin for a minimum of four weeks, tasting frequently to see how it's coming along, of course. We never over-filter and we never add preservatives or colour, so it's always slightly hazy. We found if we over-filter, the flavour profile, which is amazing, just drops off a cliff. How do you have any left to sell? Self-control and producing enough of it, though to be honest, it's so much work to make that it's still a limited edition product with some 390 bottles only per batch. It's the quality control process that keeps it so consistent. Somewhat consistent. The flavour of the rhubarb changes from spring through summer, but we've now settled on an amazing variety and it's perfect for what we need. It can be mixed with ginger ale and garnished with a strawberry or mixed with Prosecco as a replacement for cassis to make what we call a rhubarb royale. It picks up the flavour of the rhubarb very well. It is much smoother than I expected. We take the tartness down a notch so that it can be drunk like this or mixed. But above all, it's rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. There's nearly two pounds of it in every 50cl bottle. I'm not sure if it's from this or just having had the Archangel first, but it doesn't taste as strong alcohol-wise. It isn't. The infusion and our process help bring it down to anything between 24.8 and 28.2% ABV. Technically, it's a rhubarb gin liqueur, as it isn't above 37.5%. That does mean you could have a little bit more. You may, Liz. I know Robert's doing the driving. Indeed I am. Tempting as it is to stay all day, we should be pressing on. For anyone coming this way, you do distillery tours? We do. Uh, for private groups of up to 12 people, or there are public tours on our website. It lasts about 90 minutes and we include some pretty meaty cocktails. You won't need pre-dinner drinks, but you will need a designated driver. We love visitors too. Just call us to make sure we're in. We'll always take 10 minutes out to show you around. How widely available are you? We have over 120 outlets now, mostly in Norfolk, but we will ship anywhere in the UK. Our outlets are all on the website. Orders can be taken on your website? Of course. Do you want the URL? Yes, please. So that's archangel-distilleries.co.uk. Perfect. You can follow the links there to learn more about Archangel and where we're stocked around the country. Perfect. Well, Peter, thank you so much for this little potted tour. I do appreciate you taking the time out. You're most welcome. Hope to see you again. We hope to be back soon. Bye. Bye.
The Hopscotch Podcast is sponsored by Burt's Better Beers. Burt's Better Beers is located close to Exit 9 North off I-93 in Hooksett, New Hampshire. They have a large selection of international, national and local beers, ciders and meads. Cans and bottles are individually priced so you can select your own beer tour. Tell Bert you heard about Bert's Better Beers on Hopscotch. I expect you'll get a smile that is never far away. You can call Bert's at 603-413-5992 or visit them through their Facebook presence at facebook.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Also follow Bert on Twitter at twitter.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Their opening hours are Tuesday to Friday, 10 to 8, Monday and Saturday, 10 to 7, Sunday, 11 to 3. Bert's Better Beers, stimulating the economy, one beer at a time. We've moved on from Archangel and Dunton to Holt. Yetman's Brewery is about two miles from here, and as they don't offer tours of the brewery, we don't want to be an imposition. So we need an alternate venue. Are you looking for suggestions, or did you have something in mind? Well, Mum, you're going to think this is a little contrived. Oh, do go on, dear. The Poppy Line. I thought we were doing Poppy Land in Cromer. Poppy Line, the North Norfolk Railway. Oh, you wanted to ride on the steam train. Yes, as we're here. Oh, what a lovely idea. It's just been years since I last rode on it. I'm glad you thought so. I already bought the tickets. And a hamper on the back seat has a bottle and some sandwiches. And we can park the ruby here in Holt. And then take the train to Sheringham. And then come back on the return train. Um, It's about 50 minutes each way. So uh, about two hours total time. Shall I switch this off for now? Uh, Yes, please. I'll start recording again on the train. It has been a while since I last travelled by steam. I do miss these old-style coaches. They're so much more comfortable. And a nice large table for lunch. Mmm, what did you bring for our lunch? Well, I had thought about some ship and spread sandwiches. However, I found this really nice ham and a mature cheddar. I also brought a jar of pickled onions. Oh, lovely. And the beer, of course. Which one is it? Yeah, this is Peter Yetman's India Pale Ale. Would you like me to make the sandwiches while you talk about it? Yes, you be mother. So, a little background first. Yetman's Brewery is just outside of Holt in a 200-year-old barn. Peter first got into home brewing in the 1980s and opened Yetman's Brewery in 2007. Between times, he and his wife ran a, a restaurant in Holt. Sounds like quite a small brewery. Yeah, I think he would qualify as a microbrewery. Um, he has a line of beers. If you read the names... Red. 3.8% dry golden ale with Whitbread Golding Hops. Amber. 4.2% light crisp beer with Northern Brewer and Sovereign Hops. Orange. That's the one we'll be talking about in a minute. Green. His strong ale at 4.8% with Goldings and Northern Brewer hops. 
It actually won the 2015 bronze medal from Norfolk Camera in the bottled strong beer category. Um, Camera is the campaign for real ales that fought against the ubiquity and uh, uniformity of mass-produced beer. Mm. Stout. 4.2%, a creamy stout with northern brewer hops and TA200 hops. So, back to Yetman's Orange. Yetman's Orange is the name of his IPA. It weighs in at about 4.2% alcohol, so it isn't going to sit you down on your seat. You can have a couple during the day, feel the refreshment without being overwhelmed. Mm. How does it look in the glass? Now, let me pour yours. Here you go. Thank you, dear. Here's your sandwich by exchange. Thank you. Nice bright orange colour and a touch of haze. The initial head from the pour settles down pretty quickly to a rim around the glass, which is being swirled around by our being on the train. Let's see what the nose is like. Ooh. Are you getting those citrus notes? Oh, very fresh. Hints at orange without forcing itself. I'm going to try a sip. Mm. How is it? To me, it's quite hoppy. Hmm. For the UK market, I think it is. I, I, to be honest, I've become quite used to the American hot monsters that you now find in the IPA range, and some of those push it too far. Oh, this one's very decent in that respect. Mm. Ah, here's the secret. He's using Fuggles hops along with the Goldings. That's a solid and well-tested combination. Comes across pretty well here. My personal bias is for more Fuggles, but I don't think he's done anything wrong here at all. Pity you were driving. I could have enjoyed another one. Well, uh, we could have, but we still have one more place to go today. So, make it last to Sheringham and back to Holt. And we can soak in the beauty of this lovely line. This is such an amazing railway. I've missed seeing it this way. Me too. Cheers. Cheers. One, two, three. We, we can, can see, see the, the sea. sea. Oh, dear Cromer, I love it here. <laughs> the advantage here is that Poppyland is literally on the A148 as you come through Cromer. Surrounded by double yellow lines. Why does the sign on the wall say Ales, Gas and Lager? Before it was bought by Martin Warren in 2012, it had been Allen's Garage. This is an anagram of that. I see. But you said we're meeting Dave Cornell here, not Martin. Yes. Martin had to retire from brewing, and we are fortunate that Dave, a long-time admirer of Martin's beers, was in a position to decide to continue Poppyland in Martin's style and tradition. Which is? Small batch beers that may be quirky, but are always quality. I like it that he used Poppyland. I'm thinking that you know more about where the name of the brewery comes from then, too. Of course. The name Poppyland comes from the description Clement Scott gave it when he visited Cromer in 1883. I knew you would know. 
Well, that's part of what mothers are for. Yes, Mum. Let's step inside. Hello, I'm looking for Dave Cornell. Well, in that case, you found him. The clue was, I'm here. We expected to find me. When I said I'd be here, and that does make it easy to find me. Much easier than a Times of London crossword. How do you do those? Not once. Dave, this is my mother, Liz. Hi, nice to meet you, Liz. I heard you were providing us some information on our background before you stepped in. I'm still a local girl, at least at heart. Well, welcome to you both. Thank you. Um, I hoped we might start today with just a little history of the Poppyland Brewery. Of course. Actually, let me open a bottle of East Beach IPA for us to sip while we talk. Uh, the history of Poppyland Brewery starts in early 2011 in the hands of Martin Warren. He acquired these premises, the brewing vegetables you see, and pretty much everything else is down to his hard work. He sold his first beer on the 27th of June, 2012, which seems a long time ago now. 18 months is a pretty long lead time. Yeah, true. But renovating this space from being a garage, as you noted outside, and setting up the equipment, test batteries to scale homebrew, being this small and not fully dependent on its income at the time, he had time to make it just right. And you recently acquired it? Yes, I've enjoyed Martin's beers from almost the day he opened. And so when he told me he was retiring, I quickly decided I'd love to take on the challenge of running the business to the extremely high standards he's already set. And that was in late 2018 into early 2019. It looks like you are still running his original two-and-a-half-barrel system. Yes, we are, and mostly working from his recipes. Martin had some secret craft in his system. He concocted a database and he could select his ingredients and process so we have an idea of the beer to expect. It allowed him to experiment before having to boil his mash, as it were. And so you followed in his good footsteps? Yeah, they were not the ones I wanted to see fade into the sea as a tide of history washed over them. Was it a big step from drinker to brewer? Uh, I'm not afraid of a challenge. I've spent a fair amount of time restoring old motorcycles, so the mechanics of the place was no bother. I've also kept bees, so working quickly with the view of safety of my bees and honey comes across in being a microbrewer. I also understand that your brother Martin is a beer writer and something of a beer historian. <laughs> you won't appreciate the something of, but he's actually very good at it. His Twitter's very good. I enjoyed his humour. For those at home, you can find Martin as at Zythophiliac, or check out his blog page, Zythophile. Zinthophile.co.uk. I'll drop a link in the show notes. Has he been a resource to you? Oh, very much so. And I think he also enjoys quality control the most. From this little sample, I can see why. Yeah, let's move on and discuss the beer then. Oh, I like this suggestion. As, as do I. Can we open another day? Certainly. Here we go. East Beach IPA. It's my understanding that um, this is, if you will, a second generation Poppyland beer? It is. Back in 2014, Martin brewed an East Coast IPA. It was his take on an East Coast IPA that was so prevalent at the time. I'd say, even though I live on the East Coast, I'm more of a West Coast IPA guy. And to the less lay person? Sorry, Mum. East Coast IPAs are more malt forward in the flavour. The sweetness West Coast IPAs present more of the hops. Often using the same ingredients. Yes, but it's portion and process. The East Coast IPA was a big, complex beer. Lots of hops playing over the top of the malt. And the East Beach IPA? 
Uh, we dialed everything back into something manageable for more production beer. It isn't a single hop. No, but the focus is on Columbus. Robert, when did you learn so much? A misspent middle age. Oh, Robert. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, you were saying. Yes, uh, the East Beach is a little lighter than Martin's East Coast IPA. Uh, 5.4% versus 7%. It doesn't sound like a lot, but I notice a difference. Certainly not session beers. I would imagine in a brewery this size, you wouldn't want to be producing session beers. You can't follow that volume. So beers like this East Beach have to win on flavour. Yes, right. The uh, right malt brings out the best character of the hops. Hmm. I enjoy anything that has fuggles in it. That's a good hop too. I don't want to use it as a crutch. The others have value too. This one would be lovely with the right meal. Something local overlooking Cromer Beach. Fresh caught local fish. That would be great. All my ingredients are local too. The malt comes from Brent Hill Farm near Wells Next to Sea. The original East Coast IPA was brewed to celebrate 10 years of the real ale shop at Brent Hill Farm. That is a lovely bit of coastline. Although I prefer Clyde, those salt marshes. Oh. How about this? We can take a bottle each, get some fresh fish and chips and enjoy the coastal view. Oh, I do like that idea. I hope it isn't too windy to spoil any further recording. You can always come back another time. Right. Fish and chips it is then. Mm, crab cakes too. Well, I'm just the place. It was too windy to record further on the beach while we ate. As Dave said, a repeat visit is to be recommended. Well, Mother, it's been a rare old road trip, has it not? Mm-hmm. I'd also brought along a cassette of Elton John, but the Ruby lacks a cassette player. It also lacks a radio of any sort. It has certainly been a lovely drive. It may not have the magnificence of the coastal road, but the fields are still wonderful. The A148. Who knew you could build an episode around it? Once I realised it could be, I had to. Now, it's a bit of a tradition that our guest does the honour of the closing credits, so... Oh, right. In that case, I'd be delighted. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode and the others in the series. You can find out more information about these locations by visiting us at hopscotchpodcast.com, on soundcloud.com at https colon forward slash forward slash soundcloud.com forward slash hopscotchpodcast, or via your favourite podcast app as Hopscotch Podcast. Look for the grey logo. And if you don't find us first time, try searching via the iTunes library. And finally, the Twitter account at Hopscotch Podcast. Hopscotch Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, Mother. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Norfolk accent, still a local girl, at least at heart. No, the Norfolk accent's an instruction, not part of what you read. Oh, sorry. I hadn't read, I hadn't read this ahead of time. Um, 